Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to be gathered like this this morning, that we have the privilege of doing this, the freedom to do this, and we have a reason to come together and worship you because of what you have done for us. Thank you for your word that is available to us and for the message that Mel has prepared to share this morning. May you guide him now as he delivers this message. May you give him a clear mind and may your word speak to the needs in our lives. And may we be open to accepting your voice and your will for us and grow in our lives, our Christian lives and our walk with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I do greet you in Jesus' name this morning and welcome to each one that's here. A lot of members are missing, I see, but uh, hopefully that's just, a, just sort of a temporary thing. So it's good to be here, those who are here. I was certainly blessed um, thus far with, with what we've heard um, this morning devotion. Thank you for that, Jared. Certainly um, realizing more and more that we really do need one another. And um, so I'd like to, this morning, draw our thoughts to the title, The Renewed Mind. Now that, you'll recognize that's coming from a verse in Romans 12. Um, We'd like to look at the renewed mind. What is it? How does it happen? What does that all mean in your life and mine? So I invite you to, for our scripture reading to turn to Romans 11. I'm going to back up a few verses in the previous chapter. Romans 11, starting verse 33, and going to be right, reading through chapter 12, verse 2. You'll notice that the chapter 12 starts with, I beseech you, therefore... So when you see a therefore, it refers to some previous thought that was given, which is why I want to back up into chapter 11, verse 33. Let's start reading in Romans 11, verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again? For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We as humans are made of a body, soul, and spirit. When we give our life to Christ, the Holy Spirit fills us and we become a new creature. However, this doesn't automatically change a person's mind, believe it or not. That will not just instantly change your mind. Uh, Another thing to remember too, God does not overrule your free will. It's, it's a, uh, it would take effort on your part uh, and action, as, as, as you may well have experienced already. So if you feel like there's something in your life that's not harmony with God's word, 
then you need to act to overcome it. God will not force you into that. God is a, a God, and we talked about this in our, in our instruction class this morning, a relational God. He wants a relationship with us, and he wants you to love him and act according to what he says um, in the scriptures out of your own free will. God is not controlling us. We are not robots. We are not being directed by him, so to speak. Um, but it is your own free will that makes this choice. And this process of changing your thinking and actions to line up with God's word is what brings on the renewed mind. There's a verse that says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. The emphasis being on our part first, as I draw nigh to God, then he will draw nigh to me. He doesn't chase you down, run you in a corner, and force you to make a decision. So think of that when you think of the renewed mind. And first of all, before I get into a little more of a description of the, the renewed mind, I'd like to look a really uh, an example of that. Turn with me to Luke chapter 8, verse 26 through 36. Now, this is, a, this is the account of that man that was possessed with a demon and was totally out of control. Luke chapter 8, and also given in Mark, Mark chapter 5, also gives that account. But <clears throat> let's read this starting in chapter, or uh, Luke 8, verse 26. And uh, I think we'll read down to the end of 36. And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when they went forth to land, there, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils a long time and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him with a loud voice, said, What have I had to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of, uh, son of God, most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oft times it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he broke the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils had, were entered into him. And they besought him that he would not command them to go into the deep. And there was there an herd of many swine feeding on the mountain, and they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them. And he suffered them. Then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and, and were choked. When they that fed them saw what was done, they fled and went and told it in the city and in the country. Then they that went out to see what was done came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. They also which saw it told them by what means he that was possessed of the devils was healed. Now, for some reason, I was going to kind of draw to this account when I thought about this, because there are several things here that I want to point out. And as I said, Mark chapter 5 gives the same account and very, very much the same detail. Now, Luke, as you know, is a doctor. So we expect a lot of detail from Luke. He, he does that. Luke gives a lot of detail that most people would have missed having been a doctor. But 
Mark also gives a lot of the same detail. Notice he was sitting. One of them says he was sitting, and the other says sitting at the feet of Jesus. I think Luke says that. But, but um, it says that he was sitting. Now, you've probably all seen or maybe experienced it yourself. You're all tense and worked up, and you're pacing the floor, and you, you can't sit. There's just, you know, i got to get up. i got to do something, you know. That's the scene that I get with this man before he met Jesus. But here he was, relaxed, calm, and sitting. And I thought that was interesting. Both writers mentioned that. It also says that he was clothed. He was dressed. Apparently before that, he wasn't wearing much. And I'm not sure what that means except the fact that an awareness of his need. Um, Apparently... He didn't need it for the elements to stay warm. Could have been in a, in, a, in a warmer climate, a lower elevation. But we notice that he was closed. He was aware of his undoneness. He was aware of the need that he had. There was an instant awareness of, his, of, of a moral need that he had. He was sitting and he was clothed. It also says that he was in his right mind. Now, of course, previously the these demons or Satan had control of his mind, was complete control of his mind. And it just means to have a sound mind to exercise self-control and to curb passions. So we have here this man, and I, like I said, I was certain I was just somehow attracted to this, had to think of this right from the start when I, when I got this thought, because this man certainly had a drastic change. And... Uh, as you when you when you look at that verse in Romans 12, uh, let me turn to that where it yeah 12:2 where it it talks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word is an interesting word. It. That word in the Greek is metamorpho, which is where we draw our English word metamorphosis, which is what happens when you see this little caterpillar, this little worm, turn into a butterfly. Now, that's, they're interesting creatures. Both of them are. I remember a lot of children probably still would like to collect them in the wintertime. We like to make predictions for wintertime, depending on how many stripes they are, dark light. I don't know if there's anything to that. But they're interesting creatures. But when you think of that worm, that little fuzzy worm, going into some kind of process, building a canoe, a, a co- cocoon, not a canoe, but a cocoon, and coming out a butterfly? What resemblance does a worm have to a butterfly? None. None whatsoever. This worm crawls around on a branch like this, and he's changed to a butterfly that just flies. And I see this man as being totally changed, like from that worm to a butterfly. And that's the picture that Paul is using when he describes a transformed mind. Let's move on. As we, as we think of the, uh, a renewed mind, we need to understand God's will for our lives, for your life. First of all, 2 Peter 3.9 tells us that 
God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, that is God's will for your life. We talked about that just real briefly this morning in our class with the instruction class. Understanding God's will. Now, and that could be a whole new subject, but that is one thing you can bank on. That is God's will for your life. That all should come to repentance. Here in these verses in, in Romans 12... It says we are to be a living sacrifice, not a dead one. Now, that compares the Old Testament sacrifices where they took a lamb and it was slain. It was killed and they were to offer the blood of that lamb or goat as a sacrifice for their sins. So that animal was dead. It was done. It was gone. But he uses the term living sacrifice, a living sacrifice one that is alive, active, and faithful, fully committed to him. And we have two living sacrifices given in the Bible. Jesus and who's the other one, John? Anyone? Anyone? Hurry, John's going to get it soon. Okay. Sorry. I didn't give you much much time, but Isaac would have been one. Isaac, sure, he lived. Now he had given, he had given up his right to live, so to speak, and laid himself on the altar. Sure, it says that his dad tied him up, but I think he gave him because um, there's some there's some evidence that would have tell us that he was probably a young adult. Isaac was a living sacrifice, and of course. He gave his life, and at the last minute, God provided a ram, and he was delivered from that. So the ram was the substitute for him. But he is an example of a living sacrifice. Jesus also, of course, we know that, died, and he did die, but rose again and is now in heaven interceding for us. And he bears the, the scars of the suffering that he bore. So how can I be a living sacrifice? Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. There's a couple of verses I want to look at here. It has to do with God's will for our lives. And that's, aside from the one that we had just mentioned, there's a few more here that I want to look at. Ephesians 5, 17 The writer wants us to understand, wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Let's read on. I'm going to read down to the end of, oh, I think down to verse 21. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another, In the fear of God. And then the rest of the chapter and the beginning of the next goes on to elaborate on that. uh, How we submit to one another. But back to understanding what the will of the Lord is. Here it is. If you have any questions as to what is God's will for my life, there's some mention right here. Verse 19 talks about speaking to yourselves in singing. How many of you sing to yourself? You know, uh, I think there's certainly some value in that, uh, uh, especially when you think of singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. 
it does, music has a way of, of, of uh, staying with you. Oftentimes, when you find yourself traveling and you're playing some music, oftentimes the last song that you hear sort of sticks in your mind. Isn't that how it works? I know it does for me. So that's, that's uh, an interesting thought when you think of, of, of that uh, being ministered through music like that. Sing to the Lord. Also talks, the next verse, verse 20, talks about giving thanks. A grateful heart. Very important. Have that uh, on the top of your mind. A heart of gratefulness. And we were just, again, uh, talking this morning about um, starting or getting into some kind of routine or discipline of having a personal time with the Lord. Start with thanksgiving. That's a good place to start. You... Wake up every morning, you have something to be thankful for. Thank God for another day. Start with a grateful heart. And then, 21, submitting to one another. And I know that that's a little bit hard for us. We don't like that. We, we kind of think that we, we can do it on our own. But, again, I'm, I'm certainly supporting what Jared said this morning. Um, encouragement and accountability also goes with submitting one to another. And if you go through the rest of the chapter, he goes some very specifics on husbands and wives. He goes on down to uh, employers, parents, children, and, and, and so forth. But even as far as uh, bringing a little more closer to home, um, submitting one to another may also have to do with asking for advice. Some of you young people might be looking at where do I go if I want to go for some kind of time of service? Where do I go? Where do I go? Maybe even who should I marry? And even beyond that, what kind of a job? Should I buy this house? You know, submit yourself to one another and ask someone. I think there's, there's those who would certainly have a lot of counsel and wisdom and advice to offer. But you might have to submit yourself and ask. Now, we always seems we're good at asking people that we kind of know what their answer is going to be. Just guard against that. If you really want to submit to one another, get a broad base of, of information in that sense. Understand God's will for your life. So those are a few things that you can bank on. Those are God's will for your life. And beyond that... You might need to reach out a little bit and ask, submit yourself, and ask others as well. A renewed mind will seek to know God's will for, for your life. Another one is to get to know God. Get to know God. You know, uh, Romans chapter 12 talks about offering um, a reasonable service, meaning Reasonable might mean logical or something that's, uh, that's a given. And service is just service to God, and typically that comes through serving other people. And so uh, we certainly do that by studying, getting to know God by studying his word. God speaks to us through his word. It is his word. We don't become holy and sacred and acceptable by just by surfing the internet, and I'm just using that as a, as a modern day term. We become holy and acceptable by him, or yeah, unto him by getting to know him. And certainly 
Uh, we even have a commandment in his word in 2 Timothy to uh, study his word, study to show the self approved unto God. And then certainly learning how to apply that to your life. Reading his word is a good way to get to know him. <clears throat> and uh, even as we said this morning, a daily, even just a small incremental uh, segments of time. Don't need to have necessarily set big, high attainable goals, but start in a small way. And to those of you who <clears throat> took the challenge of reading the Bible this year, uh, another good way. Um, in fact, one of our brothers was all excited when he realized that he could double up and catch up on some time. And I suggested maybe you keep it up and do it in a half a year, but John didn't commit himself to that yet, so he might need some encouragement and accountability from the rest of you. But uh, no, take that as a challenge. Certainly it's not for everyone, but it is, there is a lot of value in that. I have, I have learned a lot about that, and I have <clears throat> maybe a few, just a few tips that I can offer for that. Um, as you know, if you've done that, stay on track. If you fall behind, you fall behind quickly. Right, John? You lose out quick. Because the Bible is a thick book, and it, there's a good mix of Old Testament and New Testament in the schedule that give you a, a very broad uh, reading for the day. And if you want a little bit of a variety, <clears throat> start somewhere other than uh, Genesis and Matthew. Start in the middle of the schedule and then read that way, whatever. Another thing that I have found to be very useful use an audible version on your phone, whatever. Get some kind of an audible version. <laughs> and follow on in another version, in a, in a printed Bible. <clears throat> I have found, that, <clears throat> I found that, be, that to be real valuable. It's also a good way to uh, maybe choose your favorite version. Um, I'm, I, I, I like the King James, the old King James. That's kind of what I use for most of my work, but I do use others for reading. But there's also a bit of a warning that I experienced just recently, some of the newer Bibles have a verse or two missing. And uh, I found one just recently, <clears throat> I'm not going to turn to it, but Acts 8.37, look it up sometime in your, in, when, you, when you get a chance. That verse is missing from a modern translation. Now, it has that little square that wants you to click on and it gives an explanation and maybe it gives the verse there. But I was a bit taken back because when you're reading another version, uh, you, you got to stay with it or, you know, it's not like you're reading, you're following along verbatim because there is a different, you have to follow a thought. All of a sudden I was sort of lost. I said, hey, what happened here? And then I realized that that verse was missing. And I think that's kind of a key verse, just a little bit of a heads up on that. And along with that, get a printed copy of the Bible. When you think about it, every so often you get a phone update and... If your phone is like mine, it just bugs you until you finally accept it. And, uh, and then sometimes you open your phone, you're not sure what to expect. Well, they can do the same with the Bible. Whoever's got that copyright can change whatever he wants in that reading, take out, add as he wants. A good case for getting a printed 
copy of the Bible and use that. <clears throat> Just a bit of a, a heads up on that. Um, there are, there is a lot of value in, in uh, like I said, uh, I see value in, in using other translations, but I always like to compare it with something a little more reliable. And because um, I think you can, you can certainly learn a lot from that. A lot of the, um, the especially the old King James language, languages is um, maybe a bit out of date, not type of thing that we would use a lot today. But um, just a bit of a, a warning on that, because as we, as we continue that, we do want to be like that caterpillar worm to a butterfly. That is the change that really um, is a result of a renewed mind. The renewed mind will seek after God. And then I'd like to look at some uh, results that we have. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. The results of a renewed mind. We'll be reading in, 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 in verse 6 through 9. Be careful for nothing. Or that means don't worry about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are a good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. These things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. <clears throat> I see this as a promise or results, you might say. Verse 7 tells us that we will experience the peace of God that can't be explained. It's beyond our understanding. That means it can't be explained, humanly speaking. You're, you, you'll experience the peace of God. And that, just that. Not something that you can drum up on your own. Uh, yes, you can maybe force yourself to sit down if you're all tense and nervous. But the peace of God comes to you that can't be explained. It's a, what we call supernatural, something that's from God. It also says that God will keep your renewed mind. That word keep is an interesting term. It's a strong term. It's a military term having to do with a guard. It means to guard to prevent invasion, <clears throat> to protect the city with a garrison or the idea of a watchman. That same word is used in, in 2 Corinthians 11.32 where Paul is relating his experience of being trapped in a city after he was saved and started preaching and the rulers were coming after him and they were closing in on him and they thought they had him. He was in the city and they were guarding the gate. It's that same word um, where it says a king kept the city with a garrison. They were guarding the city, all the gates, all the escape routes. That's the same word that is used to Keep your mind. Um, 
That's, that's powerful. That's serious. And, and by the way, that's the, that's the account when the disciples took, um, at night, they let Paul down over the basket, I mean, the wall in a basket, and that's how he got away. But get the picture here. They had that, the escape routes covered. They thought they did. And uh, they, the, the, the king kept the city with a garrison. That's the same word that's used to keep your renewed mind. I was, I was so um, blessed and encouraged with that when I realized that, that uh, God really is serious about this. Um, he gives us a peace that can't be explained, and then he keeps our mind or guards us just like the army would guard a city. And then it says the God of peace will be with you. Now, how valuable is that today? Like right now, today, yesterday, or even this coming week. There's a lot of turmoil out there. There's not a lot of peace that you'll find. But rest on these promises right here. This is, uh, yes, it could be the result but it's also a promise that we can take. And inexplainable peace being kept as in guarded by an army, and then the God of peace will be with you. God bless you as you go from here, and uh, certainly uh, keep striving for that renewed mind so that we can experience the peace of God in a new way. Let's kneel as we pray. Lord, we thank you for these promises in your word. We thank you for these promises and the results, if you will, that we can, that we can count on. Thank you for re- re- revealing to us your will. First of all, that none should perish and that all should be saved. And thank you, too, for giving further instruction about your will for our life. Thank you too for your word and that it was, it was written as holy men of God were moved by your Holy Spirit. And thank you that it's that word that we have today. Thank you that you have inspired your word, preserved it and kept it for us. Give us a hunger and a thirst to um, study and read and apply your word to our lives. Help us, Father, to be able to to do this in a way that would draw us closer to you. And may we, as we continue in this endeavor, might we be able to also be able to experience um, your grace and your peace, a peace that can't be explained. Thank you that you have promised to guard or to keep our minds uh, from the evil one. And I just pray that we would, as we go from here, that we could experience your peace in a real way and that in, during this turbulent, troubled time in which we live, that we'd be able to radiate that peace to those that we come in contact with. And so we pray your continued blessing on us. Thank you for our membership here, and especially pray for many who are struggling with sickness right now. Pray your healing hand on on them. May they also, even during this time, also experience 
um, your peace on their lives. And so we want to ask your continued blessing and healing on each one of them as well. And we pray your continued direction as we go from here this week. Might we be mindful of your, your presence and the peace of, uh, of your peace on our lives. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.